Well, if you can keep your Bibles open to Psalm 90, uh, continue our little mini-series in the Psalms. We've been doing this uh, throughout the month of August. We'll do it next week as well before we get into our uh, three-week study on Romans 12. This is a fairly profound psalm. We believe it was written by Moses, Moses, the man of God. We're not exactly told uh, when Moses wrote this psalm, but a number of commentators, and I would agree, seem to suggest that this psalm was probably written toward the end of Moses' life. And you've got to think about this as you read the psalm. Moses grew up in, in the courts of Pharaoh. He was privileged. And he ended up killing uh, an Egyptian who was harming one of his own people, God's people, the Hebrews, who were in slavery in Egypt and had been in slavery for 400 years. Moses had to flee and spent the next 40 years in the wilderness, in the desert. God had to teach him some things. And then Moses sees this burning bush that doesn't, uh, isn't destroyed as it's burning up. And God said, I want you to go back to Egypt and you're going to lead my people out of slavery from Egypt and lead them to the promised land. And God, they, they, God does that. tremendous miracles. The ten plagues are put on Egypt. Moses leads the people out through the Red Sea. He leads them into, into uh, starting to go to the promised land. But unfortunately, the people of God do not trust God. And they shrink back in unbelief. And they don't enter the promised land. And then God says, every person 20 years and above who is part of this faithless decision not to trust God to go into the promised land, all of you are going to die in the desert. And so for the next 40 years or so, Moses is going to watch every single one of the people he was leading die, all of them 20 years and older. Moses is going to be presiding over an avalanche of funerals for 40 years. And then Moses, and the people are complaining to him as they often did, said, we need water, we don't have enough water. And God said to speak to this rock and the water will be provided. And Moses got ticked off. And he struck the rock rather than speak to it. And then God said, well, because of your unbelief, Moses, you're not even going to make it into the promised land either. Moses wasn't the first spiritual leader who lost his cool at a congregational meeting. And found himself in deep trouble. And so now Moses, in some sense, is not even going to see what he thought was the the focus and mission of his life. He'll get to see the promised land, but he will not enter it. And all of that generation will die, and he'll watch over that. And you can imagine Moses reflecting on that, um, struggling with how to grapple with that. And my sense is, some of you struggle with these same kind of things. Oh, if you're young, you haven't struggled with it as much. Some of you are young. Your high school graduation speech 
they told you you're going to change the world. You're the greatest generation that has ever lived, the smartest, and you're going to fix all the problems that your parents have created. You'll learn in time. But for those of us who've walked on this earth a fair bit, and even though some of you are younger have experienced a lot of tragedy in your life, you start to wonder, what is, what is life all about? How do we make sense of it? How is there even meaning to it? What am I doing getting up in the morning? And is anything I'm doing contributing in any kind of significant way to the world? Because the world seems so lost today in particular, it feels like any good thing you do is like building a sandcastle at Island Beach State Park. And the tide comes in and washes it all away. And that's what Moses is grappling with. So we need to look at two signposts kind of help orient us Moses will do that in the early part of the psalm. And then we need to get some direction to move forward as Moses guides us in this process. So let's look at the two signposts. The first signpost is this. Moses is convinced that the God he worshipped is a God who has existed in eternity past and will exist into eternity future. He's an eternal God. Notice what he says in verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever had formed the earth, the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Moses understands that the person he's worshiping is a God who has always existed. He didn't come into being. He's always been there, and he always will be there. And Moses understood that in spite of the fact that he's presided over the children of Israel wandering in the desert without a permanent home, that God was their home, their dwelling place. He sees that. And that's the first signpost. God is an eternal God. But the second signpost is that this eternal God brings life to an end because of our sin. He talks about this in verse 3 through 10. Verse 3, Moses writes, You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. A thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. In other words, because God is an eternal God, a thousand years is is nothing to him. It's like a watch in the night. He he, he talks about in verse 5, you sweep them away as with the flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, and in the evening it fades and withers. Oh, Moses has seen a lot of this, but it's true. We are here for a very short amount of time. God is eternal. Moses is contrasting the the eternalness of God with the temporariness, the the temporalness of all human beings. In the morning, we, 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 we grow up like the grass, but in the afternoon, as it would have been, there in, in, in the middle of the wilderness, that grass would be fading and withering by the afternoon. But it's not simply the death it comes to all human beings. There's a reason why death comes to all human beings. Verse 7, for we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. 
For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Well, Moses is telling us, he's telling us the truth. Unless the Lord comes back, and I hope he does, this afternoon would be great. Before the next Dallas Cowboys season would be good too. We'll be having a church discipline session after the service. <laughs> is the reason why human beings do not live forever is because sin has brought death into the whole world. And now death is our experience. And unless the Lord returns, given enough time, those of us who remain will gather for your funeral. You're... you're, you're, you're Casket will be up here at the front of the church, potentially. And we'll be saying goodbye to you. And in time, uh, we'll say goodbye to everyone. Because of sin, and it's not necessarily that you sin and then the Lord's going to zap you. It's, it's because in the macro, sin has entered the world. And the punishment for sin under God's wrath, death is now the experience of all human beings. You can't escape it. We don't like to think about it. And Moses has seen quite a bit of death. Everybody he knew, everybody who had been with him when they you know, went through the Red Sea and this glorious you know, redemption of God's people and now he's going to watch every last one of them from age 20 and above are going to be buried in that wilderness. All because sin, in the macro, has made death the experience of every single human being, including you. And these are the signposts, I think, that Moses is grappling with. He sees the, the, the eternal nature of God, but he sees the temporal and transitory nature, the fragileness of all human beings. And he's grappling with that. Thankfully, Moses gives us some direction. He tells us in verse 12, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. In other words, if we think about the eternity, eternalness of God and we think about the fragility of human life and our own death that is sure to come because Sin has brought the wrath of God on all of us to some degree. Death is the consequence of rebellion against God. He teaches us to number our days. Now, some of you might think, well, maybe we should literally number our days. Well, I did this, and of course it mentions 70, you know, is kind of the, the length of time you've got, 80 if you're really strong. I've got about 3,550 days left. I look back and I saw that I preached this sermon at Westerly Road many, many years ago. Around the time I was 30 years old. You know what? I said this. I had 14,600 days then. Time is running out. 
And I think there is a sense in which you ought to think about that. I think too many of us live as if we've got all the time in the world. But you don't. Some of us uh, fritter away our times, not necessarily on evil pursuits, but on banal pursuits. And we're not living as if, uh, we're not really living all of our life for him, for his glory, his kingdom, his agenda. I think you would do well to calculate how much time you've got left. I use the lower number, 70. But even if it's 80, it's not that much more time. But I think it's more than this. I, I think when, when Moses says, teach us to number our days, I don't think he's just saying, okay, make the most of every day. It's some kind of a self-help little thing that would be helpful to you. I think he's reminding us that if you're really going to number your days, you've got to think about the eternalness of God. You've got to think about the fact that he was here before the creation of the world. He always was, and he always will exist, and he's eternal, and you're not. And when we think about that and contemplate that, it gives us wisdom to know how to live in a broken world, even while death looms. I think it's also important to understand and think about the fact that our death, impending death, that is going to happen given enough time, is all part of the fact that because of sin, Death is the punishment for their sin, and we can't escape that. And we would do well to contemplate that, to think about it. But there's more here. Moses goes on to say, after he was praying, asking, Lord, teach us to number our days. Verse 16, he's, 14, he says, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many days as we have seen evil. There's no way to really teach, be taught to number your days unless you come to grips, yes, with the eternalness of God, yes, with the fragility of life, yes, with the fact that God's wrath has made it so that all of us, given enough time, will perish. But you're never going to be able to number your days correctly unless you map onto that and those realities, the reality of the steadfast love of God. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. It's only when you realize, and again, Moses was having to look forward, right, to the death of Christ. And all the sacrificial system among the people of God pointing forward. We can look back. We now know that Jesus Christ came and died on the cross. What to do what? To take the wrath of God on him so that it wouldn't be poured out on us. He took the wrath of God and took our sins upon himself and offers us his righteousness freely by grace through faith in him so that the steadfast love of God could be part of our experience part of, of, of what we have. And therefore, if, if we have the steadfast love of an eternal God who lives forever, it changes everything and it changes the way we view death even. 
Because what God and what Moses is saying to us is when you wrap your heart around the steadfast love of God, yes, in this life, you're finite. Yes, in this life, it's, it's fragile. But it means there's a life beyond the grave where you will be with an eternal God forever. And when you know that, when you sense that, when you live in light of that, it changes the way you can look at each of the very small number of days you have left. But there's even more. Verse 16, he says, Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. It's the eternalness of God coupled with our uh, impending death, which is sure because the wrath of God on sin. But when the steadfast love of God rescues us, and realizes we are now connected to the eternal God, not only now, but forever. It means that when we do work, even in this broken world, even when we feel like, what, what am I really contributing? I know sometimes it feels like what you do in life is like, it's like a drop in the bucket compared to the evil that seems to sweep across, sweep across the world. But, but what Moses is saying is he can have confidence that the work that he is doing and the work that we do can be established, meaning that when we're connected to the eternal God through his steadfast love, everything we do in light of that for him and to him, no matter how effective it may seem to the world, we know it's connected with an eternal God and therefore it has eternal value. That means every little thing that you do, little things, like texting a friend who's struggling and saying you'll pray for them, because people live forever. The Word of God lives forever. Every time you take the Word of God and have a discussion with another friend, someone in the church, you're doing something that can have eternal value. Why? Because it's wrapped up in the steadfast love of God. You're now connected to this God of eternity and now everything that you do can be established by God himself and will have an eternal impact. It's a great quote says this, we come and go, but the Lord's work abides. We are content to die so long as Jesus lives and his kingdom grows. Since the Lord abides forever the same, we trust our work in his hands. And we feel that since it is far more his work than ours, he will secure it immortality. When we have withered like grass, our holy service, like gold, silver, and precious stones, will survive the fire. Oh, to do something in this life that will have value in eternity. And when you grab a hold of the eternalness of God, you see the wrath of God that's going to means your death is, is, is it's going to happen, but you've grabbed on to the steadfast love of God and you've oriented more of your life around him and his agenda and his plans, everything that you do 
will be established by that God of eternity so that you will make an eternal impact. And it doesn't matter how you feel about it. It doesn't matter if the rest of the world sees it or not. One day it will become very clear that the work you did for this God of steadfast love, this God of eternity, your work will go on and have an eternal impact. And if you can grab a hold of that, you can get out of bed in the morning, even in a turbulent world, even under trial and difficulties that you may face, and be faithful to the calling that God has given you, whatever that is. So I want to pray for us briefly, and then I want uh, the music team's going to come and share a song that reinforces the fact that your labor, your labor done to a God of steadfast love, a God of eternity, labor done for him, empowered by him, for him, is a labor that will not be in vain. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray for each of us, Lord. We are all tempted not to number our days correctly. We live as if we have unlimited time. We lose touch with the God of eternity. We tend to focus on this life and its temporality. We're obsessed by what happens here in this finite world. It's easy for us to lose touch with your steadfast love that has been poured out on us that assures us that our life will go on after death and also assures us that everything that we do in light of that steadfast love is work that will make an eternal impact because you are the God of steadfast love and the God of eternity and you will make that happen. Help us to live in light of that. In Jesus' name, amen.